So if you were here last week, then you heard that we're going to be introducing membership. And next month, we're going to have the details about classes and forms and all of that. But I thought I'd preach about it. I thought I'd talk about it so we all can get on the same page when it comes to membership. And basically, this is what we would do in a membership class. We're just going to do it across six weeks. And so last week, I shared two core principles around membership at River Life. We're calling them our membership mantras. And so two core principles. The first one, membership is about growing spiritually, not belonging to a club. And honestly, man, if we could get this one right, I think we would have great membership here at River Life. That's the first one. Membership is about growing spiritually, not belonging to a club. And then second is that we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for God first and others second. So if you want to come to a church that will serve you and be about you, you're in the wrong place. Because we do not exist for ourselves. And if you missed last week, I really encourage you, watch that. Go on to Facebook and watch it. It's up on our YouTube channel as well. I highly encourage you to, to make sure to watch each of these weeks. It's actually going to be one of the requirements of a class. So, so if you want to become a membership, make sure you keep it up with these weekly sermons here. So this week, think about this. I start with a question. What is the worst thing you can do at church? So th think about that. So, so like, what's the most embarrassing thing you've done at church? Think about it for a sec, okay? So as I answer this question, here's my top three. So first, I once farted during prayer. The prayer was silent, but sadly the fart was not. <laughs> okay? I once nodded off in service so hard, I strained my neck. I had to ice it after church. It hurt so much. Okay? And then, then the third one, this is hands down the best one, is as a youth, I, I spilled all of the communion juice because I was showing off for a girl. Whole thing just went, all the little cups just went everywhere. She was not impressed. <laughs> and needless to say, I got a bit of a talking to from our youth pastor. So there are all kinds of bad things you could do at church. But what do you think is the worst? What do you think is the worst thing you can do in church? Well, I'll answer that for you. Complain. I absolutely believe that the worst thing you can do in church is complain. Now, let me say this up front. I am so thankful that River Life does not have a complaining culture. That's not a big part of our church. And I talk to other pastors in the alliance and in the area, and honestly, man, I am horrified at what they have to put up with, what, it, what they have to hear week in and week out from their congregation. So I am so thankful, and I thank you, and I thank you that we do not have a complaining culture. Now, it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, but it's not part of our DNA. It's not a normal thing. And so first, I want to thank you that we do not have a complaining culture, and I also want to tell you I intend to keep it that way. So why is this such a big deal? Quite simply, because complaining kills churches. Complaining kills churches. 
if you complain to a friend, ministry leader, pastor, it doesn't matter. Complaining kills churches. And so there are four ways. I've thought of four different ways that I've experienced even firsthand that complaining shows up at a church. And we're going to look at that with the help of the Muppets. So here's our first Muppet, the armchair critic. Always has an opinion. The music's too loud. I didn't like today's sermon. It's too cold in the sanctuary. They always have a complaint. They always have a critique. See, the armchair critic is quick to point out what they think is something wrong. And sometimes it's legitimately something wrong, and sometimes it's just their opinion. And it's in the service, in the people, in the leadership, in the activities or lack of activities, in the ministries or lack of ministries. That's the armchair critic. Now, the next one is the advice giver. This is the person who will always tell you what you should do and how you should do it. See, this person, anything, see, I love this, anything that begins with, hey, can I give you a small suggestion? I just, I just brace myself for what's about to come. Or this one. Well, in my previous church, trust me, if you ever come up to me with an idea, and it, if it's prefaced with, in my previous church, I'll just tell you, go back there. <laughs> Okay? Because that, that they always have an idea and they want to tell you. The advice giver wants to tell you what you should do, how you should do it. See? And here's the reality is that the advice giver actually isn't a helper. Whether it's intention or not, they usually come off as a self-absorbed know-it-all. So that's number two. Another way this comes out is the me-focused person. None other than Miss Piggy, okay? And this is, this is the person where everything's is, what about me? I didn't really like the songs today. Oh, I don't like this sermon topic. I wish Pastor Greg would preach on something else. Okay, it's all about them. Uh, no one visited me when I was sick. Everything around church revolves around them. And see, this person usually sees church as a place to serve their needs. Now there's another one. This one's the gossip. This is the one who just can't keep their mouth shut. And this is the one that is just talking over and over and over again. And we all know this person, let's be honest. We all know the gossip. You might be sitting next to the gossip. You might be the gossip. But we all know that person. And for them, talking behind someone's back, talking about other people, might be as, as natural as binge-watching Netflix. It's just second nature to them. It might be wired into their family system, what they learned. It might be wired into their culture, what they've picked up. But gossip is one of those ways that is fundamentally a critique. Because you know what? No one gossips about the good stuff. Hey, did you know so-and-so is doing so well at their job, they got a promotion. Isn't that awesome? Nobody gossips like that. It's always the negative stuff. So, do you resonate with any of these? Come on, take the BuzzFeed quiz. Which Muppet are you? Let's be honest. I think we all have tendency toward one of these. It might not be our core personality, but we all have those little tendencies we lean toward one of them. 
Well, all of this raises an interesting question. What's the big deal about this? Is complaining really that big of a deal? Because most complainers think, well, I'm just trying to help. Yeah, it actually is a really big deal. And here's why. Because in a church, complainers rarely stay complainers. You see, there we go, oh, there we go, there we go. See, complainers rarely stay complainers. That complainers become critics. Critics become agitators. And agitators become dividers. Complainers rarely stay complainers. Think about those steps in a person. Complainers become critics. Critics become agitators. And agitators become dividers. And there are few things in the New Testament that, the, that God talks more strongly against than division in the church. That's why this matters. And a lot of churches don't pay attention until it gets bad, until it gets to the agitator or the divider step. But we're going to nip this in the bud. We're going to go to the beginning because it all begins with complaining. Now, we're going to look at one of the passages, one of the core passages that talks about complaints and church division and how it all plays in. And it comes out of Romans, Romans 16, 17 to 18. And so we'll start. It's going to be up on the screen. Okay. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. So Paul begins with watch out. Watch out for certain people. Don't ignore them. Don't excuse them. Don't justify them. Don't rationalize them. Don't tolerate them. Watch out. The Bible literally says keep away from them because they are dangerous. So who are these people? They're the people that cause divisions. And remember, it's really important. Complainers divide churches and damage believers. Complainers divide churches and damage believers. See, I can guarantee you, every church division that has ever happened in the history of the church began with somebody complaining. And then complaining, but complainers rarely stay complainers. Every church division started that way, with somebody complaining. And I've never seen a congregation that has gone through a church split where the congregation, the people are not hurt by it. Complainers divide churches and damage believers. So, Paul talks about different ways that this happens. 
In fact, we're going to talk through four things out of this passage. Four ways that complainers divide churches and damage believers. So the first one is this. Complainers create obstacles for others to, to come to God. Complainers create obstacles for others to come to God. Now, when we, when we launched River Life, one of our goals was to remove as many obstacles to God as we could. That's why we don't really care what you wear. We just want you to wear something. We don't care what color your hair is or how many tattoos you have. We don't care about that stuff because those are unnecessary obstacles to God. And I know this. I know this because I've, I've sat across from you and I've heard your stories that many of you have left churches because somebody complained about you. Somebody complained to you. Or somebody complained about you to your parents. And you left that church hurt and disillusioned. And so because of their opinions, they put obstacles in your way to get to God. So that's one thing that complainers do. Another thing that complainers do is complainers do not follow biblical teaching. Complainers do not follow biblical teaching. There is always sin and bad theology behind a well-intentioned complainer. It could be self-righteousness, hard-heartedness, ingratitude, lack of trust in God, disbelief in God's goodness, rejection of spiritual authority. All of those things can happen inside the heart of a complainer. And this list just goes on and on. Because you see, nobody complains with a good heart. Now, I'm not talking about seeing something that you wish were different and sharing that. That's different. And I've, I've had plenty of people share ideas or concerns, but their heart isn't in that dark place where complainers live. So that's another thing that can happen with complaining. Another one, complainers don't serve Jesus. Complainers don't serve Jesus. They serve their own interests. See, I've never met a humble complainer. They might act humble, but it's not. I've never met a humble complainer. See, I've never met a complainer who's filled with the fruits of the Spirit. Most complainers think they are helping. Most complainers think they have the right motives, but they don't. And it usually doesn't take long for those darker motives and those self-interests to come to the surface. See, they're serving their own preferences, their own opinions, their own beliefs. And I love the way the passage talks about it. They're serving their own appetites. So that speaks a deep truth. Every complainer has an appetite for something. So the next time you want to complain to somebody, ask yourself, 
what am I really craving right now? Because complainers serve their own appetites. And lastly, Paul talks about this as complainers deceive others. Complainers deceive others. There's one practice that I've seen with every single complainer. They always talk to other people. When we want to complain about something, the reason we talk to other people is we want them to agree with us. We want to be validated for our opinion. Because if someone else agrees with me, then it means I'm not wrong. No, it just means two of you can be wrong. But every one of us, when we complain, we talk to others because we want validation of our opinion. We want to know we're right and they're wrong. We want that validation. And so as a result, you start talking with people to convince them that you're right. And you start using persuasive words and flattery. And you start twisting truths, even saying lies to get people to agree with you. Complainers deceive others. And that's how complainers become critics. And critics become agitators. And agitators become dividers. So, how do you not be one of these people that Paul talks about? How can you avoid this trap of self-righteousness and self-interest and feeding your appetites and causing division in a church, dividing church and damaging believers. How can you prevent that? Well, I've got four things for you here. Four things that can help you build unity instead of division. Four, th four ways you can build unity instead of division. First, be humble. Be humble. I've never known a complainer with a humble spirit. Those are almost antithetical. It, do, it doesn't work. See, they're often overly confident, even arrogant, and often oblivious to that. So you want to start somewhere? Be humble. Second, when you have a concern, speak to the person directly. Speak to the person directly. This is the place where almost every complainer goes wrong. Rarely have I had people come up to me to complain, but they'll go to somebody else to complain about me or about the church or about this or that. In fact, the Bible even says it. Matthew 18 says, if you've got a problem with someone, go up to that person first. Go up to them directly, privately, personally. So if you've got a problem, if you've got a concern with somebody, somebody's ministry, somebody's personality style, whatever, talk to them personally. And I would also challenge you, don't tolerate somebody else talking to you about somebody else. If somebody wants to come to you to complain about river life, cut that thing off. I don't, I don't know if you've ever done that, actually told someone, stop. I don't want to hear that. You need to go talk to Pastor Kong. 
Don't entertain the complainer. Because that's how complainers grow. So I would encourage every one of you, if you want to fight, you want to work toward the unity of this church, don't tolerate complainers. Redirect them to the person they should be talking about. Or it's talking to. Okay. Third, a third thing you can do is ask questions more than you give opinions. I've sat across the table from people who have given me a multitude of opinions and a half hour into it, they have not asked a single question. See, complainers have no real desire to learn, to understand somebody else's perspective, to understand the strategy and the mission of the church. They just want to give their opinions. So if you want a great way to stop being a complainer is ask more questions than giving opinions. And it's amazing what happens. And I'll tell you right now, practically everything around this church in River Life is very intentional. You could ask me about anything in this whole building or in any one service, and I can give you an explanation for it. There is a reason for everything that we do. But often complainers, they don't care. They don't care to understand a bigger picture, somebody else's perspective. They just want to share their opinion. So ask a question, listen, and keep your mouth shut until you fully understand somebody else's perspective. Then share your concerns. So, and lastly, one more way. One more way you can prevent being this person that Paul talks about. Help solve problems rather than just point them out. Now, l let me tell you this. There is no shortage of challenges and problems we have at River Life. We have challenges of staff, of now two facilities, of, of people coming back, of online challenges, of kids been in nursery challenges. We have no shortage of challenges, trust me. What we have is a shortage of solutions. So if you want to come up to me with another problem, trust me, one of the first things I'll do after listening you out is ask whether you want to be part of the solution. In fact, one of my, one of my favorite ways to, to shut down complainers so as many of you know, we, have, we, we don't, haven't had the nursery open. Because quite honestly, we don't have the staff for it. We don't have the volunteers. And, and I'd love it when someone comes up to me and says, Hey, you know, you really need to have the nursery open. Great! When can you start? That is the quickest way to shut down a complainer. Because complainers rarely want to be part of the solution. They just want to complain and get there and tell what's wrong. So I encourage you, be a part of the solution. So all of the, I'm going to take all of this and sum it up in our next membership mantra. Our next foundational core idea of membership. And that is, members unite, complainers divide. Members unite, complainers divide. 
So if you want to become a member of River Life, you are committing to the unity of this church. And if you ever want to see the wrath of Greg, start causing division in this church. Start damaging the flock that God has entrusted me to care for. Then you'll see another side of me. So when you become a member of River Life, you're committing to the unity of this church, the well-being of our people, the wholeness of our family. So I want to close with this quote from a Christian activist, a, a young Christian activist named Shane Claiborne. He said this, There is a movement bubbling up that goes beyond cynicism and celebrates a new way of living. A generation that stops complaining about the church it sees and becomes the church it dreams of. Now, I want to say something gently and with all sincerity. If you are a serial complainer, if you are a gossip, if you are a know-it-all, I don't want you here at River Life because you will damage this church and you will damage the people in this church. But if you can set aside your self-interest, if you can set aside your, your well-intentioned advice, if you can humble your heart, see things from another perspective, understand our mission, if you can do that, I want to invite you to join me in the greatest work of God I have ever seen firsthand and participated in, and that is River Life Church. And I want to invite you, I want to invite you to start creating the church you've always dreamed of. The church you wish you could be a part of because you can. And I want, I want to invite all of you to join us in that and be the church you've always dreamed of. Join me in prayer. God, we thank that you give us one spirit, that you are one God. We have one baptism. We have one forgiveness of sins. Lord, I pray for that unity, that oneness, that that unity pervades every corner of this space and every heart here in person or online. Lord, I pray that the unity and the well-being of this congregation becomes a priority for every person here. Lord, that they can, they can shape and dream of the church that they, they wish they could be a part of and then take those steps to start being that church. Lord, I, I, spray, I pray a special prayer and ask for your, a special dispensation of your grace on those who are a little more inclined to complain or critique or see the shortcomings in others. Lord, I pray your grace on them. Lord, that they can uh, humble themselves, 
that they can ask questions, that they could listen. Lord, and we know that we all have that dark spot in us, that know-it-all that wants to tell people what to do and wants things our way. And I pray against that. In the name of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, I pray against those sins. And Holy Spirit, replace those sins with fruits of the Spirit. Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. But let, let us be a church that honors you, that loves you, and is united as one. I pray this in Jesus Christ, the head of this church.